This morning we're going to begin a, a new series that's going to take us through a good part of the summer. I'm excited about it. Called Life Hacks. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says that life hacks are usually simple and clever tips or techniques for accomplishing some familiar task more easily or efficiently. You know, we see them on, online all the time. People post about different life hacks, things that make, make stuff easier. I, I got on Facebook the other day, and I asked my, uh, my friends just to share some of their favorite life hacks. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to share some of those with you. Um, but uh, one of my friends just said, carry a, an extra key in your wallet. And I thought that makes sense because, you know, you're always locking yourself out of the vehicle or, or the house and whichever one, you know, you can carry a key in your wallet. That sounded good. Another guy said, um, if you've got kids at home that play with Legos and uh, you, you just get a big, you just get, a, all right, some of you men play with Legos too, I know. Yeah, but you get a big rug, and then you play with the Legos on the rug. Then all you got to do is pick up the rug, kind of fold it in half, and funnel the Legos back into the box. I thought, well, that makes sense. That's, that's a real good life hack. That's, uh, I, I like. Well, there's a bunch of others, and I'm going to share some of them with you. Really, I guess one of my favorite life hacks that I got on, uh, on my Facebook question was this. Don't tug on Superman's cape. Don't spit into the wind. Don't pull the mask off of the old Long Ranger and don't mess around with Jim. How many of y'all remember that? That's a good life hack. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to show you one this morning as well. Um, <clears throat> how many of you like to fold fitted sheets? <laughs> All right, here's what you do. You got to fold a fitted sheet. You're going to turn it inside out so the ugly part of the seams are on each of your hands, right? Then you put the ugly parts of those seams, line them up, Right like that and flip that over. Now, I have just folded that sheet in half. All right? Now, all I've got to do is pick up one of the corners down here and line the pretty seams together. I'm just going to line the two seams right alongside each other, one right on top of the other. And now there's one more corner somewhere. I'm going to find that corner in just a minute before lunchtime, I hope. I'm going to find that corner and we're going to line those seams up as well and now I've got the pretty seams showing and I've got a little square that can easily and beautifully be folded and put away <laughs> in the closet. Thank you. Now, somebody says, that's not really a life hack. That's just a skill. That's just learning to do something. Okay, I, I, I kind of have to agree. So here's the life hack. If you live with a spouse or a roommate or your parents, don't tell them that I just showed you how to do that or you'll have to do it from now on forever. <laughs> that's the way it works in my house. There's only one of us who knows how to do it, so he gets to do it every time. <laughs> Life hacks, wisdom that works. And if we're going to learn wisdom that works, wisdom that we can apply in our lives every day, we've got to go to the book of Proverbs. I think the book of Proverbs is often overlooked in church life because we pull out the two or three that we know and we just quote them all the time. But we rarely take the time to study the book and understand the book. 
So that's what I want us to do this summer. Beginning today, we're going to look at some of the life hacks in Scripture, in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to find wisdom that works. Let's start right at the beginning. If you'll open your Scripture with me, we're in Proverbs chapter 1, and, um, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So that tells us who wrote the book. Now, we find out later that he's not the only one who wrote the book of Proverbs, but he wrote almost the whole book. Just a couple of other guys jumped in there once or twice. But the Proverbs of Solomon. At verse 2, it says, To know wisdom and instruction. And what he's starting, he's starting a very long sentence that's going to take three or four or five verses. So to really understand it and let it flow, we want to read that first phrase as, in order to know. He's setting up where he's going, okay? In order to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, in order to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, then let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Now, in order for us to fully understand the wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs, and for us to learn the life hacks that I want us to learn over this summer. There are two things that we need to do, and this morning we're going to look at those two things. The first one is simple. Let Proverbs be Proverbs. If we're going to get the most from Proverbs, from the book, if we're going to get the most out of this study, we need to first of all just let Proverbs be Proverbs. Well, what, am, what does that mean? If you review real quickly verse 5, let the wise hearer increase in learning, the one who understands obtain guidance. Let, it, it, it's interesting in verse 5, isn't it? Let the wise hear. In other words, if you want to be wise, you have to be wise enough to know you want to be wise enough to listen. You have to be wise enough to want wisdom. And so he says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands obtain guidance. And then he says, to understand a proverb and a saying. It's important for us, if we're going to get the wisdom, if we're going to get the most out of this book of Proverbs, we have to understand, according to verse 5, we have to understand a proverb, and a saying. That's the first of verse 6. The reason I'm pointing that out is because many of us think that the Bible is one genre, one style of writing. And so we go to the Bible and we read it as if it's one big book. When in actuality, it is many different books. This is more like a library. It's 66 different books written by many different authors over many different generations. And there are also many different genres or styles of writing. 
So that when you come to the history section of the Bible, you're not going to read it the same as you read the poetry. When you come to Psalms and you read the poetry or the songs that are there, you're not going to read those the same way that you would read the, the, the literature that we find in Revelation, the, the uh, uh, apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature is by design symbolic and imagery. So you have to understand what kind of literature am I reading when I read in the Bible. When we come to Proverbs, it's important that we let them just be Proverbs. A, a proverb is a pithy statement that summarizes a, a, a practical truth in just a few words. It's, it's a short, quick statement that summarizes a big idea in just a few words. For example, some of you grew up as I did. Some of us grew up hearing, you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas. That's a proverb. But what is it saying? It's teaching a lesson about the kind of people with whom we associate. Who is going to be in my inner circle? Who's going to be my close friends? They are going to influence me whether I want them to or not. And so I want to be careful who I choose to have in that close circle of influence. But as soon as I start going into all of that, y'all tuned out and started thinking about lunch. So instead, I can just tell you, you lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas, and you got it. That's what a proverb does. Another one that I've always liked is letting, letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting it back in. <laughs> you know, when you let a cat out the bag, that means that you told a secret. Well, that's easy. What's not easy is to fix all the problems that occurred once you gave up that confidence. Putting the cat back in the bag is pretty tough. So the, these are proverbs. They're, they're just short, pithy sayings that talk about a bigger truth that you can apply to life. Remember that most Jews didn't have their own copies of the sacred scrolls. Uh, prophets, priests, and some kings had access to the scrolls, but normal folk like you and me, we didn't, they didn't have Bibles. They didn't even have a Mardell where they could go buy one. You, they couldn't get to the scrolls, so they couldn't memorize the word. They couldn't learn the word. And yet in, Psalm, they're, in Psalms, they're told to meditate on the word day and night. Well, how are they going to do that when they can't have it? Well, one way is Solomon and these other really wise people figured out how to take the truths of life and put them into short, simple statements that could be easily learned. Now, these folks don't have to, have to memorize the whole book of Isaiah as much as they can learn what God is calling them to do in these short, pithy sayings, these, these little statements, little bite-sized bits of Scripture. For example, Solomon could have written an entire lecture on pride, but chances are most people wouldn't remember a long lecture on pride. None of us really like to hear that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it gets a little bit too personal. I'm too proud to listen to somebody tell me about pride. 
And so instead, what Solomon did, instead of talk a big old long lecture, he just said in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And that pretty much says it, doesn't it? That pretty much sums it up. So let the Proverbs be Proverbs. Don't try to expect them to be prophecy. They are not. Nor are they historically accurate. That is not their point. Nor are they scientifically accurate. They are Proverbs. General truths about life. Mark Twain made up a proverb that has become famous through the years. He said, always do right. This will gratify some and astonish the rest. President Harry S. Truman liked that quotation so much that he had it framed and he placed it on the wall beside his desk in the Oval Office. Just a few words that reminded Truman how to live his life and do his job. Let the Proverbs be Proverbs. They are not history, they are not science, and here's where I'm really headed. They are not promises. So often we call a scripture, well, it's in the Bible. So that means it's a promise. In reality, the Proverbs are general rules that take these big concepts and put them into a few words so that you can easily learn them. But they were never intended to be promises. There are some promises in the Bible. There are some very important promises in the Bible. I will be with you to the end of the age. That's a promise. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's a promise. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That is a promise. But the Proverbs are Proverbs. General rules. Here's one example that I think is of utmost importance to those of us who are parents and grandparents. Look again at Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So often we claim that as a promise. I raised my kid right. I taught him right from wrong. We were in church. He learned the truth about God. And then he walked away. And he broke my heart. But the Bible promises he'll come back. Well, for one thing, that's not what the verse says. It doesn't say that he'll leave and come back. It says he'll never depart. But for another thing is, that's not a promise anyway. It's a proverb. It's a general life principle that says, if you want your kid to walk down this path, you have to show him that path when he's young. That's the sense of the proverb. You can't just hope that he finds the right way to go. And you can't wait until he's made all his own life's decisions. 
When he's young, you get him started on the path, and then he'll know the way to go. It's a general principle. So some of the parents and grandparents in the room need to stop beating yourself up. You've misunderstood the principle. It's not that you did something wrong necessarily. When a child, that grandchild, chooses to go a different direction. Because this was never set in stone as a promise. Generally speaking, life works this way. If I want somebody to go from west to Dallas, generally speaking, I can tell them, get on I-35 and go north. I can tell them the path. I can get them started, and they can find Dallas. There will be days, however, when something goes nuts in Hillsboro, and you can't get through Hillsboro, and now you've got to take a little farm-to-market road, and thank goodness that that ways lady is there to tell us what to do. It's a general principle that you get from west to Dallas by going north on 35. But there are always exceptions. That is how we understand the book of Proverbs. Yes, it is Holy Scripture inspired by Almighty God himself, but they are words of wisdom. They are Proverbs. Let them be Proverbs. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. God created life, and he sustains life. So how can we learn more about life without him? He's the one who put it together. He's the one holding it together. How can we learn more about life without him? That's what verse 7 is saying. The fear of the Lord is where knowledge begins. You trust God first, and then you open your mind to being able to understand the wisdom being able to understand the rules of life. Let Proverbs be Proverbs. And the second thing that I want us to learn, if we're going to allow the book of Proverbs to, we're going to get all we can out of it. If we're going to, if we're going to get the most out of this book, the second thing that we need to do as we begin our series is to seek wisdom like a treasure. Seek wisdom like a treasure. Look in chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Solomon, by the way, is uh, known by most people as the, the wisest man in the Bible. Some say the wisest man in history. And it's interesting that early on, uh, God said, hey, I'll give you anything you want. What do you want? You want, you know, you, you want a new motorcycle? You want a, what, do you, what do you want? You, you, you want a new gaming system? What, you, know, you want money? You want a trip? I, what do you want? He said, wisdom. He knew something, didn't he? He asked to be wise. And throughout the book of Proverbs, that word wisdom is used 125 times. And the concept of wisdom, even more than that. Look at what he says. This one who found it. This one who speaks of it with such power and beauty. He says in verse 1 of chapter 2, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, 
making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That first verse opens it well. He says, my son, if you receive, and that's important because Solomon is giving these words of wisdom. He's going to the trouble to write them down. He's giving these words of wisdom, but that doesn't make any difference if the son doesn't receive them. The Lord has explained life to us in so many different ways, but it doesn't make any difference that he gave us those explanations unless we receive them. And now he says to his son, and this is literal son, he is writing the book so that his sons, plural really, will be able to live life well. And so he says, my son, if you'll receive my words, if you'll take them, treasure them up, Make your ear attentive so that you listen. Incline your heart so that you want it, you desire to, to, to have that wisdom and that understanding. If you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. You ever lost your dog? Parents, you ever lost a kid? You know what you do. Timmy! Timmy, where are you? Timmy! What do we do when we're looking? We cry out. We call out. Timmy, come home. Where are you? Solomon says, long for wisdom that way and cry out for her. In the first nine chapters of the book, he, he speaks of wisdom as if she were a lady. He's talking to his son, and he says, Son, search for this woman called wisdom and call out for her. Look for her. Yearn for her. Long for her. Find her, whatever you do. Holler, call for insight and raise your voice. And or if you will seek it like silver, Search for it as for hidden treasures. We would do anything to be able to find that, that pot full of gold, that, that pirate's chest that, that is full of treasures. He says, go to that much trouble to, to be wise, to learn the truths about life itself. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 8 says, prize her. See where he uses wisdom as if wisdom is a woman? Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. So as we, as we want to get the most out of Proverbs that we can, I say to you, seek wisdom like a treasure. Understand as well that wisdom is not knowledge. Knowledge is having information. It's also not intelligence. Intelligence is the ability to comprehend information. But what it is, wisdom, is the ability to take that information that I have comprehended and to use it and apply it in my life. 
and to do so in the right way at the right time. That's wisdom. That's what we want. We want to hunger for it. Haddon Robinson said, wisdom is the ability to handle life with skill. Perhaps you remember hearing about the minister, the Boy Scout, and the computer expert who were the only passengers on a small plane. You remember that story? Boy Scout minister and a computer expert. They were the only ones on the plane. The pilot came back in the cabin and he said to, he said to them that the plane was about to go down. There was nothing that they could do. The problem is that they only had three parachutes for four people. And the pilot added, I, I, should have, I should have one of the, the parachutes because I have a wife and three small children. So he took one of the parachutes and jumped. The computer whiz said, well, I should have one of the parachutes because I'm the smartest man in the world and everybody needs me. So he took one and jumped. The minister turned to the Boy Scout and with a sad smile, he said, you're young and I have lived a rich life. So you take the remaining parachute and I'll go down with the plane. The Boy Scout said, relax, Reverend. The smartest man in the world just picked up my backpack and jumped out. <laughs> See, it's different from information. It's different from learning knowledge. It's, it, it, it's, it's knowing how to apply that information in a way that makes life make more sense. Your creator loves you so much that he not only created you and everything around you and got you started, but then he also loves you so much that he said, look, this is how life works. I started life. I'm sustaining it. I gave it to you. Here's the user's manual. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments, make your ear attentive, incline your heart, call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding, seek it like silver, search for it like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Some people that we know seek wealth more than anything else. They want to be wealthy, so they work day in, day out. They're looking and searching and seeking for more ways to make more money so they can have more stuff. Some people, it's not really the wealth, it's just the success. Some people are seeking a happy family. Some people seek good health more than anything. Some people seek strong friendships. Some are looking for a good reputation or they're looking for leadership or influence. The amazing thing is wisdom increases your opportunity to have all of those. And so you seek wisdom. You have a better chance of finding all those other things that people are looking for. Think of this morning as an appetizer. We are about to enjoy a special meal as we go through the book of Proverbs this summer. And I want this morning to just be an appetizer, just to whet your appetite, just to, just to get you hungry 
for wisdom.